Welcome to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, an evolutionary astrologer and mystic, and this is the place to be if you want to be planetary. That is, to be a person who is connected to the stars, to this planet, and who knows that they are creating vibrational frequencies that ripple out through the cosmos. And perhaps we know how to listen back, to hear how nature speaks to us and how we participate in the construction of reality together. Now, Everyone is planetary, but what do we do when we know that we are planetary and that we are as much embedded in this living and breathing cosmos as everything and being around us? What do we do with that creativity and that power? This show is here to give signal boost into our shared airwaves of inspired and empowering ideas from mystics, healers, and educators to support us in the grand adventure of being the universe, becoming aware of itself. If these airwaves are reaching you, I wouldn't just leave that up to coincidence. We are connected, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Welcome to the show. (coughs) Today on the show, we have Timothy Halloran of Raza Lila Healing. Timothy is an evolutionary astrologer and a member of the New Paradigm Astrology Community's Dream Team. He creates bi-monthly video forecasts on YouTube and sees clients. And he's definitely a solar Gemini. This man is really talented with words, and I get mesmerized watching his YouTube videos where he just gets into these deep, eloquent flows. You'll notice from this conversation, and if you check out his work, that true to Pluto-based astrology, Tim doesn't shy away from the depths of human experience. In this episode, we talk about the Pluto and Scorpio generation, which if you ever look up your chart on some online software such as astro.com, you'll see that you have a sign for each of the planets, even Pluto. And Pluto generations will characterize, you know, entire psychological themes for whole generations. And you might read in some online sources or books that it doesn't really matter to the individual what sign their Pluto is in. But that's not true. It actually matters a lot. Just because you're part of a generational theme doesn't mean that you live out those experiences very personally. So I'd highly recommend that you go to an online software and see what sign your Pluto is in and see if this is you being a Pluto in Scorpio or maybe your Pluto in Libra, Pluto in Virgo, some Pluto in Leos, um, or you could be a Pluto in Sag um, or even a Pluto in Capricorn. And there's also Pluto and Cancers on the planet right now, but I have this inkling that they're not listening to this podcast. But um, at any rate, check it out. And if you are part of the Pluto and Scorpio generation, respect. Um, I am as well. And so is Tim. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Timothy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Sabrina. It's such a pleasure to be here. And I got to say, I'm so excited for you doing these podcasts. So thanks so much for the opportunity to talk to your audience. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, just for the the audience, um, I found your work because we're part of the same astrology community. We're both practitioners of evolutionary astrology, which is a pretty specific branch of astrology. And I actually found a video of yours on the Pluto and Scorpio generation a few years back that blew my mind. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about that theme again. Um, And I also would like to know a little bit more from you about your background. So what brought you to evolutionary astrology specifically? Oh, well, thank you. 
Um, good question. You know, my entrance into astrology and EA, I have to say, is a little bit selfish. Um, I was really trying to figure myself out. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of my life isolated. I always had really deep feelings, um, kind of the sense of unease in the world, like something's not quite right. And, you know, what I was being taught in school by my parents didn't quite fit. And so I was really trying to figure out, you know, why do I have these feelings? Why did I deal with this isolation? You know, what's my karma? What's my path? And that brought me to astrology. I began by uh, really exploring Vedic astrology, but it just didn't click. I must not have had the right teacher or, or the right teaching. And so, um, you know, I was really brought into EA through Kaipacha. I, I found him on uh, YouTube and I just really resonated with uh, the astrology that he was speaking from. It was a language that I immediately resonated with. Uh, it made total sense with me. I started doing charts uh, passionately and uh, I haven't stopped ever since. Yeah, what you're saying sounds a lot like the Pluto and Scorpio energy of seeing behind and underneath things. And <clears throat> I can really relate to that theme of feeling like people just aren't talking about something that seems very obvious. And I've heard other people of our generation say that. Um, but also that sets up a person who feels that way to study Pluto-based astrology. Like it just makes sense because it's about asking you know, the why questions in life. Um, so can you describe a little bit more for the listeners what evolutionary astrology is? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that that part of myself that was looking for the bottom of the barrel and what's going on very deep beneath was so totally satiated by Jeffrey Green's material and by evolutionary astrology because it just goes so deep and it really does touch to the bottom of the barrel. Um, and so evolutionary astrology is a very Pluto-centric school of approaching astrology and the birth chart. And the idea of EA is somewhat to see astrology and the birth chart as being a map of our own unconscious. And Pluto represents the unconscious in the birth chart. And the idea with Pluto is that within our own unconscious, there is so much material, there's so much information that's going back into so many innumerable lifetimes, so many past experiences, which we are not consciously aware of. And yet all of these experiences are alive in us at a certain level, even though it is unconscious. And so with evolutionary astrology, we're very much looking at our own unconscious dynamics. So to become empowered, so to understand, embrace, and align with our own soul's nature and our soul's direction of growth and evolution throughout life. And so while our unconscious dynamics remain hidden and unknown, it's sort of like we're these, um, you know, marionettes for these puppets getting pushed and pulled by these invisible strings. And using evolutionary astrology, we can at least become partially aware of what these unconscious dynamics are. And that in itself can be very empowering and aligning with our nature and aligning with our unique truth, uh, rather than fighting against the grain of who we are. And life, the universe and nature some, uh, seems to somewhat conspire with and for us. Uh, when we're aligning with who we are rather than fighting against the grain. I totally agree with you. What is it about the soul, do you think, that makes us 
resist it. Like it's who we are, but we go against it or we're not ourselves. Like why? Oh, that's such a good question. And I think it leads straight into some of this Pluto Scorpio generation territory because, you know, uh, life isn't always just fun and games. <laughs> you know, uh, some of the experiences that we have as souls that may be a part of shaping us into our potential or allowing us to unfold into, you know, the, the greatest that we can be, uh, you know, it's not always easy. It's not always fun. And I think that it's, it can be very easy to resist um, our own soul's desires, to resist what we don't know, what we don't understand, because it's unfamiliar to us. And so again, with this Pluto territory, it gets very murky. It gets very complex very quickly because this is the unconscious. It is the most mysterious, the most hidden uh, part of ourselves in many respects. And so there can be a fair degree of resistance to look into this part of ourself, um, you know, which is often, uh, you know, coined as the shadow, you know, the shadowy part of ourself. I think there can be a lot of fear or guilt or shame or inadequacy uh, of, of having this more hidden, more murky, uh, complicated part of ourself. Um, and yet it really pays off uh, to kind of face our fears and go into the dark because this is really, well, how we overcome fears and um, are no longer controlled by them. Right. Um, I'm going to edit out my ums, <laughs> by the way, to watch that. They're, they're wonderful ums. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with them, <laughs> but yeah, whatever, whatever is most comfortable to you. <laughs> yeah, let me just catch by what I was going to say. It's really interesting to notice how, because Pluto takes like something over 200 years to go around the zodiac, and it represents our unconscious, and it's also like the root kind of vibration of people that we have these generations of Pluto's. Uh, so you can talk with someone who's 50 and they have a different archetypal unconscious than our archetypal unconscious. Um, I'm about to be 27 and you're around that age as well. Um, and so I would really like to look into some of the generations that preceded us, such as the Pluto and Leo, Pluto and Virgo. Pluto and Libra, and then we're up Pluto and Scorpio. Um, that might be a lot <laughs> to get into, but just to set us up for, you know, I feel like the Pluto and Scorpio generation, there's something unique about our particular kind of intensity and, you know, growing up as kids being naturally intense um, and seeing through maybe the the lies in the culture around us and not even lies that people were consciously choosing to deceive anyone over, but just people being run by their own unconscious. And because of, you know, learning evolutionary astrology and identifying with being a Pluto and Scorpio and all these aspects to Pluto I have in my own natal chart, it started to make so much more sense to me, like why I have the intense experience that I do and how it wasn't that everyone else was just not saying something per se, but that I might be part of a unique you know, generation in terms of depth perception. Not that other generations aren't very deep. I meet plenty of older people who are very deep, but just as a general um, influence that I experienced growing up. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the whole generational comparison is always fascinating. And, you know, uh, I'm sure yourself and your listeners have noticed that there can be this intergenerational tension, <laughs> you know, that is, I- I'm pretty sure, uh, always been there. Uh, you know, it's almost a part of the human condition. And that's because, uh, you know, at these different generations of souls almost live in different realities. You know, it's like a totally different world that we grow up in because the world is constantly changing. And as humanity is continuing to evolve, we're changing and we're creating a different reality for future generations and our children, for example. And so looking at the Pluto uh, sign is a really good way to understand these uh, generation gaps and what these different groups of souls, you know, in a Pluto, you know, Pluto per sign can be, you know, uh, 10 to 20 years of, you know, a generation. Um, understanding that generation's evolutionary intention, their own unconscious dynamics, which is very much reflected through the world that they're born into and their relationship to each other as a generation. So um, one of the ways that our own Pluto sign is reflected back to us is through our own generation. We're born into this group of souls, right, that has similar past lives and past experiences. And then we're born into a world situation which also reflects back these same similar experiences. And so the Pluto-Scorpio generation has a very particular type of experience that we can all relate to, and we reflect that back to each other. But yes, it can be quite different from you know, the older generation's experience and, you know, where they're coming from and what world they were born into. Um, And so we can look at these different uh, generations. You know, we can take, as you said, just a quick little uh, glimpse uh, because we could talk about these things for the next uh, several years, probably. There's so much to talk about here. Um, But it's relevant because obviously the Pluto generation is not, or the Pluto Scorpio generation is not raising themselves. (laughs) You know, their their parents are going to be either Pluto Libra Libra, Virgo, or Leos. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the Pluto-Leo generation to begin with. Of course, there is a natural square between Leo and Scorpio. And so I've noticed that there's a a quite a generational friction between the Pluto-Leo generation, which were largely the baby boomers, and the Pluto Scorpio generation, which are largely being called millennials now, you know, and millennials and what generation that covers, uh, it almost seems to change. I don't know what defines a millennial so much, uh, but that's kind of the terminology we use right now, at least. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to begin maybe by just doing a quick review of what the Pluto Leo generation is doing and about? Because that's a powerful group of souls. Yeah. I also want to say just for any of the listeners that aren't really familiar with the terminology of a square, it's um, 90 degrees in the zodiac. So Leo and Scorpio form a 90 degree angle in the natural zodiac. So there's that friction. And I feel like that is expressed with like the baby boomers um, and the millennials and the kind of articles you can find on your newsfeed about, you know, the baby boomers thinking that millennials are lazy and don't listen to authority enough and that the millennials are like, well, we're not going to listen to an authority that is abusive towards us. Um, Whereas that kind of maybe authoritative energy came with the Pluto and Leo generation. I think there was 
I mean, just to back up a little bit for Pluto and Leo, these are a grouping of souls who are here to discover their like luminescence, their radiant nature, their Leonian side. And because Pluto relates to our shadow, our traumas, you know, unconscious things from past lives, there can be um, a lot of difficulty for this generation in expressing their inner child. Um, there could be you know, traumas early in life to the inner child. And I think that can be reflected in the, the philosophy about raising kids as they should be seen and not heard is a, something that some of the Pluto and Leos grew up with. And, you know, there, I feel like all of the Pluto generations come with their traumas, their baggage, as well as like their empowerment. So the Pluto and Leo can be very disempowered um, when they're not connected to their inner child that's wounded and they're acting out. Trump is an example of that generation um, acting out. Um, and on a positive side, Pluto and Leo can really like bring a lot of light to community and help empower the creativity of others. It's someone who just is themselves and shines their essence in a way that contributes to the whole. Um, what would you say for Pluto and Leo? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I think it's so funny, you know, that that stigma and stereotype that millennials are, are lazy. I, I just find that personally hilarious. And, and I think later on, we'll probably unwind that that dynamic or that, that, um, you know, that, uh, that scapegoating kind of that can exist. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Pluto Leo is a big generation. Uh, you know, they're naturally very creative, forward, confident souls, you know, uh, Leo is a fire sign as opposed to Scorpio, which is a water sign, right? So the Pluto and Leo generation were this big generation of go-getters and, you know, uh, you know, capitalists and, you know, big skyscrapers and gathering money for future generations. And, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's the seize the day, do more, be more, be big, big, big type of nature, which, you know, obviously there's, there's no good or bad when we're talking about these generations because there's hundreds of thousands of souls born into these generations. There's the absolute best. There's the absolute worst of all of these dynamics. But indeed, the baby boomer generation somewhat constructed the given, uh, you know, capitalistic America, for example, that we see uh, at the front of the contemporary world. Now, uh, the Pluto Scorpio generation is born into this world that was largely therefore constructed by the Pluto Leos. The Pluto Leos have this sense of we're giving all of this opportunity to the Pluto Scorpio. Mm -hmm. You know, we've, we've carved these giant statues. We've built these buildings. We've developed so much innovation and technology and you have all these opportunities and you have all these gifts. And then the Pluto Scorpio generation comes in and is aware of and seeing all of the shadow and all of the unconscious bullshit that's been completely overlooked and ignored by the prior generations. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so great. <laughs> you know? Oh my God, so true. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just funny because the Pluto Scorpio generation is not this experience of, oh, the red carpet's being rolled out for me and I have all these opportunities in the world as a beautiful, sunny place where I can, you know, go to LA and become the Hollywood star and achieve my dreams. The Pluto Scorpio generation is born into a world that seems far more dark, that seems far more apocalyptic. We're seeing all of the holes and in many respects, we're also dealing with kind of the baggage and runoff that hasn't been addressed by the older generations, such as the fact that that stigma exists that millennials are lazy. When millennials are truly struggling right now in a way that other generations may not be able to relate to, such as, you know, the obvious example is going to be, um, you know, uh, college degrees and, um, you know, the incredible amount of debt that, um, you know, the millennials essentially have to get into in order to get a college degree and, um, you know, having to, to deal with all of this uh, work that's yeah. not being served on a silver platter. You know, it's just not so much of a hunky dory situation that we're born into, even going back to our early child experiences. You know, one of the examples that came up in a prior talk about Pluto Scorpios, for example, how the 9-11 attacks happen when we're pretty young. You know, there's just not this real ideal 1950s sense of this perfect, polite, hunky-dory, you know, uh, sitcom American television show. It, it's just not the experience that we're born into, but there's almost this expectation that we should put a smile on our face and accept it as if it's that way. And again, I think that a lot of this intergenerational tension uh, really comes up in that dynamic. Yeah, that, that really reminds me of being in high school when the economy crashed. Um, and I just had this feeling that my whole life I'd heard this story that I would graduate from high school, get good grades, go to college, get a stable job. And that hasn't, I mean, I'm an astrologer and I'm like an entrepreneur, but that time period um, of being in high school and just having that cultural narrative just collapse before my eyes made me not as invested in reality and like social constructs as I might have been before, which I feel like um, maybe just we can get back to Pluto and Virgo and Pluto and Libra later um, and tie them back in. But what is Pluto and Scorpio specifically bringing in that makes them so, I guess, sensitive to themes like power and loss and um, betrayal and abandonment and intensity and if I didn't already say it, power, it's all about power, but, um, sure. yeah. What, what are we coming from? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I totally agree. And I think that this is partly explaining why that stereotype and stigma of millennials being lazy exists, because like you said, there is this experience that really, uh, it kind of causes us to, to lose interest and motivation because this is a betrayal, what you demonstrated, you know, this whole, you know, you're, you've got this set up for you, you know, your parents and everybody created this path for you. And then this experience of, you know, this is a sham. This isn't how reality actually is. There absolutely is a sense of betrayal that I think that many Scorpio Pluto generation souls can relate to. And it can really lead to that sense of, uh, well, it's kind of, a uh, 
a who cares consciousness. Like, well, it's all just a big stinking pile of shit. You know, everybody's trying to get me to see this thing as beautiful and it's garbage, you know? So this can lead to all sorts of, um, you know, escapist or just kind of who gives a fuck, uh, type of mentality and tendency that results from that deeper wound of betrayal or, or power struggle, like you said. So I think that those are some very important uh, keywords. Um, so to fall back on the Pluto Scorpio generation, you know, generally this is going to be a group of souls that have desired to go beyond personal limitations through full spectrum experiences. So whenever we're talking about Pluto in the birth chart, we're talking about unconscious dynamics and we're simultaneously talking about the unconscious desires of the soul. So just as we began this conversation saying, you know, life isn't always fun and games. Sometimes our soul desires particular experiences in order to grow that we may not even be consciously aware of that isn't necessarily fun or easy. And the Pluto Scorpio generation is a group of souls who's been there and done that, (laughs) you know, been in full spectrum experiences that have not all been fun and games. You know, this, this, you know, the keywords for Scorpio is oftentimes death and transformation and the taboo and occult and sexuality. And it's really any of those off limit themes that are uncomfortable and swept to the side becomes that whole unconscious terrain. Now, there are so many blessings that goes with the experience of the full spectrum that goes into exploring the dark and the unknown. I like to think that there's so many gems and treasures buried in the unconscious of Scorpio. But generally, this is a group of souls that, you know, have experienced war, that has experienced death, that has experienced power struggles. And there has been in some way, shape, or form, a direct encounter with the fullness of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so Pluto Scorpio souls are not so easily capable of bypassing these parts of life. They're familiar with them, they've experienced them, and they're also therefore very capable of identifying these things in the world. You know, it's it's much harder for a Pluto Scorpio to bypass or to avoid these deeper, darker parts of reality because they've been there, they've done that, and it is somewhat familiar to them. Now, that familiarity to the dark, the unknown, the uncomfortable also goes hand in hand with this who gives a fuck consciousness, you know. There is this apocalypse syndrome that I like to correlate with the Pluto Scorpio generation, and it can lead into some of these negative tendencies such as um, not caring or just, you know, wanting to check out of life. Or, for example, something I noticed a lot growing up in this generation in middle school and high school is it's just like, you know what? Life is just a big pile of shit, so we might as well just live it up, you know? You only live once, (laughs) YOLO, you know? Party more, drink more, have more sex, sleep with as many people as you can because you never know when the next atom bomb's going to get dropped and we're all going to be evaporated. You know, and this apocalypse syndrome also oh, that's a tends... very unconscious expectation. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This all comes from the unconscious. I don't think that uh, so many people in this generation, though they may be totally vibing and channeling that dynamic, it may totally be completely unknown to them, or they may be oblivious of it. It's just how life is. It's just how they are, you know. Um, And the unfortunate byproduct of this is there can be this kind of giving up on the potential for this world to be anything different than a tumultuous, intense tumbler or hell realm, you know. And so the gifts of this generation is going to be actually understanding the power of what it means to be a human, to create something different. But because we're all so familiar with this intensity of the full spectrum experiences and encountering some of the deepest and darkest terrain of life, um, there can be this unconscious expectation that what is peaceful or what is sovereign or what feels spacious and open and beautiful um, is just a mirage or a daydream or not real. That's so well said. I feel like a lot of um, this can point to the nature of entanglement and Pluto and Scorpio both relating to these deep attachments and our deepest sense of emotional security, Um, but also in terms of, you know, the toxicity or being attached to either our unconscious traumas or the problems that we can so visibly see if you have this kind of awareness of the shadow and you can just see it everywhere. Um, And so what do you think Pluto and Scorpios can do or you've seen them do about disentangling or creating something new from this place of depth awareness? That's such a great question because it's complicated. You know, I think that the reason this intergenerational tension exists, for example, is because it's almost like older generations want the Scorpio generation to simply ignore or bypass the things that are hurting us via this awareness of and this depth. You know, there's a real depth with the Pluto Scorpio generation um, that can oftentimes get stereotyped into a darkness or they're always complaining or, you know, they, they don't do anything productive. They're just complaining. And so that's something that needs to be addressed is that, well, what the Scorpio generation is complaining about may be valid. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not just making this shit up and just giving our parents a hard time, for example. And like, you know, I experienced that a lot with my own parents, just like, you know, stop complaining, stop being so emotional, stop whining. It's just the way it is, you know, grow up. And no, the Pluto Scorpio generation is not here to just grow up and accept <laughs> how things have been and conform to the world the way it is, the Pluto Scorpio generation are transformers. They are here to dig in to the stuff. They are here to dig into this bullshit, but in digging in and tilling it over, you know, for example, this is something that I like to tell Pluto Scorpio generation souls in, uh, you know, individual readings. So it's kind of like we're the bulldozer generation, you know, we are here to push over these old, no longer existing structures that don't serve the world and have these hidden ulterior motives and things that aren't working. 
And so it's almost like we are the shovel or the spade that's getting thrust into the old frozen tundra of the earth to till that earth over and make it fertile for new seeds to be sown. And so we are here to address these things as a generation. You know, what irks us? Um, what's not right? We are here to confront. And that's a Scorpio key word is confrontation. Uh, yes, we are here to confront older generations. And yet, we want to do this constructively, you know, and that's where this becomes complicated because complaining is really bringing awareness to something that's no longer working, but we also have to do more than just that. We have to also be inventing and discovering the creative solutions to be able to be the bulldozer to take down what's no longer working, but then fill that gap in with something that can work better. And that's also something that as a generation, we need to be aware of to come out of this uh, apocalypse syndrome paralysis that can be caused by the sense that everything's just shit and it's not worth my effort to try and make it better. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a catatonic element to the Scorpio or Pluto when it's like you're just so aware of everything that's wrong. Um, and I feel like I also really learned the hard way um, that you have to be constructive because I had a like a awakening experience basically in 2012, but I started to just speak without filter about the things I could see, you know, about other people, about my family. Um, and I got in trouble for it. It was seen as mental illness. And I had to like fake my way out of like psychiatric care just for saying things as I saw them. And in the years that I kind of unraveled that experience, um, I had to change my demeanor. Like I have this access to ideas that feel very beautiful. And it, in that time period, I was like, why can't you all see this? Why are you doing this? And I was kind of berating people for just being the way that they were. And I had to learn how to you know, be constructive and offer the gifts that I have without destroying people first and being like, you're all messed up. Let me show you, you know, and that was my own shadow. I have Pluto in the ninth house. So I was trying to like convert other people without realizing that I was attached to that. But I actually found evolutionary astrology in the aftermath of that because I needed to understand like, why did just speaking my truth, albeit without filter, which is something that people don't really do. Like I made a decision to jump off the cliff and just say all the things, everything taboo, just shine all the light on it. Why did doing that land me in psychiatric care <laughs> against my will? And I feel like that's a very Pluto and Scorpio experience. Like that brought me in touch with my soul and shaped me, but I learned about you know my own power through that and all. But yeah, it just made me really think of that. And since having that experience, I feel like I've become much gentler, but sometimes I see people who are fresh in their spiritual, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like fully awakened or something like that, but I had a awakening and I'll see people having awakenings and they just spout these really intense controversial things. And I feel like they haven't figured out yet how to temper it um, or how to channel and harness that new energy, but they're first just kind of like, the veils lifted everyone like can't you see this is all lies and like monsanto and you know and just everything <laughs> like that i'm just laughing at myself because i 
so relate to your experience. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's almost on point, a reflection of my own. And yeah, you know, uh, in my own personal experience, I, you know, I have Pluto in the fifth square, the note. So there's like this really having to own my power when, again, similarly, I, I got in a lot of trouble when I did things that were outside of the box, you know, and I did a lot of exploration of sexuality and drugs and these things that were quite taboo. But for me, that was my awakening. And, you know, I saw the positive quality of these things, but similarly to yourself, it kind of landed me in a psych ward. It landed me being isolated from everybody. Um, and I think that's kind of a part of the, you know, there's this initial stage after a awakening, there's this honeymoon stage, you know, where we, we take to the streets and we're screaming with the answer that's going to change Handing the world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, I, I mean, I actually literally did that. <laughs> so yeah. I sent and, books of poetry to everyone I knew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so and then there's that harsh experience of just like, oh shit, this is totally sending the wrong message and everyone thinks I'm a nut. And yeah, I think that this can be, a, um, you know, it's going to play out in different ways. But it fundamentally goes back to this theme of power, like we're coming into this awareness that we have this understanding of how to catalyze change in the world. And there is this dual need to own that power and to recognize our capabilities and be patient and flexible enough to figure out how to do it in the way that will be most constructive and actually reach other people. And that's tough to do when you have that awareness. Like if you have Pluto in the ninth, like yourself, it's like, oh my goodness, I can just see this, you know? How come other people just can't see this? It's right in front of my face. Hello, you know? And then there's this learning experience of, oh, well, other people may not be able to see it. And therefore you have to figure out how to put it into words and how to communicate it. And similarly, it's like, we may have something. We may really have our foot in something deep and profound. And there is this intensity that goes along with it. It's just like, wow, I can see this and it's, I can feel it. I can feel it in my body. I see it in the world. And it almost can like kind of jab at us like, oh my gosh, there's this thing that needs to get resolved. There's this thing that needs to change. I have a sense that I can change this. And there's this need to almost like relax into our own incarnation and kind of allow this process of unfolding to take us through this experience and this experiment of sharing this with the world and seeing how people can receive it. That way we can offer something that can be very powerful and very transformative, but something that I think that uh, can be hard for Pluto Scorpio generation people to see from our vantage point is that we come off to other people as very intense. <laughs> you <Hell> know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of this intensity to do it, to change it, to get to the bottom of the barrel, to address all these hidden taboo dynamics can really scare the pants off of a lot of people. And we do need to be wary of that intensity. So that way we're not causing, uh, more damage, uh, you know, than we may realize. Right. Um, 
And, you know, again, that's easier said than done. And I think that Pluto Scorpio generation also has somewhat of a little bit of a higher pain tolerance via our own past experiences that were a little more intense. And so there is this owning of our own power. We're pretty intense. We're powerful souls. And we have to therefore create a container for this power that is safe, that is comfortable and slow enough to therefore be approachable to the world and be able to be functionally integrated into society. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like my third eye is tingling when you're saying that. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So just to back up a little bit, the Pluto and Scorpio generation, I've heard you describe, you know, before in some other talks of yours, what our influences were as kids and the way that you evoke it is just so archetypal. And I really love how you do that. Um, Like even just what we were watching on TV, for example, and how that correlated with our kind of soul essence. Yeah, I think there really was a collective grungy vibe, you know, in the the late 80s, the early 90s. This is the Pluto Scorpio's birth time. I mean, this is when grunge was the popular music of the time. But it it was kind of all pervasive in popular culture, this kind of dirty, muddy feeling. I mean, I even remember growing up watching these game shows that Looking back at them, it's just kind of strange because it's like public humiliation and like this really weird, messy, grungy vibe and kind of like spinning it into like, hey, being a kid, you're just kind of messy and you play in the mud and it's all just like being a kid. But there was this deeper weirdness there that it was almost, like up close. Uh, I just can picture these like up close, um, like molding of like sand for commercials or something like these like sand buildings that you can make and like the Nickelodeon game shows, like all the slime and stuff. Like it was very visceral. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, totally. And I mean, those things landed me with some, uh, you know, some almost mental disorders and like sexual fetishes and all of these things. And I kind of have to accept that now as being a part of my own soul's journey and karma and all of this, but it just was served to me on a silver platter through my culture and world and, and the popular culture at the time. Um, so yeah, like again, there's, there's that sensual visceral nature. There's a weird sexual theme that sometimes, uh, you know, was brought up too. um, Yeah, yeah. And again, there's this, I mean, it really was kind of a a dark period. I think there was this, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, it's like coming out of these generations of capitalism and coming out of the 1950s, you know, golden age type of reality where everything's perfect, everything's hunky dory. And then Pluto went into Scorpio. And even during that period, it's like that was really the, the, the underbelly of capitalistic society in America and the world was really being more exposed. And again, that's the world that the Pluto Scorpio generation is born into. And so it's interesting to take that step back now and to look at, you know, the world that we were born into. Cause it's just like, yeah, there really was that collective grungy dark vibe that was going on during those years. But when you're in it, of course, um, you know, it's like a fish in water. You don't realize that it really is kind of a collective theme that was temporarily happening, particularly uh, that period. 
Yeah, I think Ren and Stimpy is another good example. Of- yeah, that's that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Yes, that gross, almost sadistic humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember being really enchanted with, you know, cartoons. I guess kids are in general, but um, it didn't appear excessively gross to me, except maybe Ren and Stimpy was maybe where I, I could see it. But um, <laughs> that's, that's a perfect example. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> And so what for Pluto and Scorpios, um, given their particular intensity and their background with being, you know, having a high pain tolerance, having experienced intensity in prior lives, so it's nothing new to them, what can they offer the collective? Yeah, so I think that this is what it's really all about. And, you know, there is a wisdom of the dark, of the murky. It's like, okay, all of this grunginess, like, again, we were just in a Scorpio way kind of complaining about it, like, hey, this kind of sucks that we're born into it. But I think it's important to point out that there's going to be uh, a silver lining and a hidden blessing, which is that treasure that's buried in this gunkiness, you know? So, you know, for example, I, I just cited my own sexual fetishes that started from an early age. Well, that started me on an early journey of understanding the sexual psyche and all of these different possible ways that sexuality can possibly play out through repression, which is part of my own dynamic, or through overinflation, or through obsession, so on and so forth. You know, sexuality is hugely connected to the human psyche. Uh, And similarly, a lot of these taboo, off-limit, or murky, messy, grungy things is actually getting close to the roots of the human psyche. So the Pluto-Scorpio generation having these full-spectrum experiences of power dynamics, death, uh, taboo subjects also gives us an awareness of all of these things. And so generally, and I know this is something that Jeffrey Green also spoke about, The Pluto Scorpio generation can be a group of souls that are like natural psychologists. Like we understand the deep psyche, the the complicated human psyche. Uh, Like you mentioned trauma, how, uh, you know, trauma, we're coming out of, uh, you know, we're coming out of ages of, of human trauma. We're coming out of ages of war, of holocausts. And if you believe in reincarnation and these things, uh, these things can be a lot closer to home than just a historical, you know, uh, what we watch on the History Channel, for example. You know, so again, we kind of have our foot more in that world, which means that we understand that world. Uh, We can talk about what makes tyrants, uh, what makes obsessions, uh, what makes all of these various hidden unconscious dynamics within the human psyche. And I think to make this even closer to home, as we are unwinding our own psyche and our own unconscious dynamics, this can be leading us into understanding the human psyche in a way that can be very transformative. And so I think that's one of those big, big key words we keep coming back to with Pluto Scorpios. Pluto is all about power. And what power really means to me is the capability to take one thing and transform it into something else. There's this alchemy. There's this shamanic process with Scorpio. And so something that can begin looking very dark, very scary, such as a phobia or a fear or an obsession, by going into these things rather than avoiding them, 
they can actually transform into something completely different that's not so scary, that's not so daunting, but can actually be connected to something that's very empowering or inspiring to others. And that's something that Jeffrey Green also spoke about with Pluto, is that at its highest octave, Pluto can transform and evolve the world without motivation. It's just simply the nature of Pluto to go out there and to inspire change in the world. And I think that really is the potential of this generation is somewhat getting down to business and accepting our role in the greater scheme of things. We can really go out there and catalyze change in a way that can be deeply inspiring to other people in the world. That is so well said. I love that Um, beautiful imagery with the alchemy piece too. I often think about Scorpio and Pluto as alchemical also. And that connects to what you said earlier about there being jewels and gems in the underworld. Very much feel that. And just so I said, I, I don't want to leave out the Pluto and Virgos and Pluto and Libras, uh, but just to say a few quick words about them. um, What would you say for a Pluto and Virgo? Sure. So I think probably the majority of Scorpios are probably brought up by Pluto Virgo. I could be wrong, but, you know, there's going to be another tension here uh, where the Pluto Virgo generation has many lifetimes of purifying themselves, really focused on removing obstructions, uh, coming into the best they can be. You know, with Virgos, there's the stereotype of cleanliness and, you know, functioning to the most optimal way that something can function. And, uh, you know, just as there's a shadow to any sign, the shadow of the Pluto Virgo generation is going to be this unconscious guilt or shame that they should be more perfect than they are, that the world should be more perfect than it is. I mean, Virgo's really focused on bringing awareness to what's not perfect and what needs to be rectified in order to change it. So that Pluto Virgo generation has a huge focus on identifying what doesn't seem right or what seems unclean or what seems messy and kind of like an alarm clock goes off like hey that's not right that's not moral that's not correct (laughs) and so the pluto scorpio (laughs) generation obviously comes in again this grungy messy dark generation and pluto virgo you know can very easily have that alarm bell going off i think uh, raising their own kids yeah my mom is pluto and virgo and that just reminded me of a story that I don't actually remember it firsthand, but she tells it. And apparently I got in trouble at school for chewing gum. And she said to me after that, so you're not going to chew gum again, right? And I was like, no, I just won't get caught. And she was shocked because she was like, (laughs) when I was a kid, I really cared about the rules. And I just thought it was really like funny. Like that is a very Pluto and Virgo type of orientation to it versus Pluto and Scorpio. Like, no, I'll just be hidden and not get caught. Like... And I, the way I rationalized it, too, is like, I'm not going to cause harm. I won't stick the gum under the desk. I won't get in anyone's way, but I'm going to do what I want. And she thought that that was maybe imprudent or something. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. That, um, you know, how should we say, kind of puritanical. Uh, you know, that was very much my upbringing a little bit as well. And again, my Pluto's in the fifth house, opposite to the moon in Taurus. I've got Venus in Taurus, Mars in Aries. I'm a pretty naturally sexual, sensual being. That's just a part of my nature. And my upbringing 
was totally puritanical sexually. Sexuality was considered dirty and wrong. And then again, like I said, I had these sexual fetishes from an early child that I've been unraveling. And it's just like, well, who could be shocked? Of course, that's going to be a natural repercussion of my own nature kind of being considered something dirty or wrong, which turns into an enormous self contradiction and inner conflict, which can turn into these various phenomenon and what might be called distortions. But I think, again, it really is all connected to the psyche, our own unconscious nature and what's leading us back into embodying our own power. And so, yeah, there can be a friction here as well, where there's the sense of like, oh, you're doing something dirty, you're doing something wrong. That's not really perfect or clean or right. And the Pluto Scorpio generation is just like, well, yeah, but like, where do you think we are? You know, it's like, uh, what do you expect? And so there can yeah. be some friction there as well. And, uh, you know, the Pluto generations, uh, I think, again, can come off very powerful and very intense, more, more than we recognize. And that Pluto Virgo generation wanted everything to be clean and right. That's their past life training and that unconscious shame and guilt that they can put on their own shoulders as a potential can therefore be turned into, oh, no, I'm not raising my child in the right way. I'm not being a good parent. And now I've got to be even more trying to fix my, you know, my broken or unclean child yeah and there was the helicopter parenting thing that a lot of pluto and scorpios grew up with micromanaging (laughs) yep yep Um, so what about pluto and libra and so these are people like these could be our friends too not i have friends of all ages really but the it gets closer with pluto and libra And I can actually feel the difference oftentimes with Pluto and Scorpio or Pluto and Libra souls. Like I'm not totally sure their age, but I can just feel what they are. (laughs) Because the Pluto and Libra has a different energy too. Oh, yeah, totally. Again, these different generations. I mean, we're still kind of growing up in different worlds and have different experiences. So, yeah, um, you know, the, the Pluto Libra generation is, is much more polite and, and elegant and, you know, uh, more focused on harmony and, and creating harmonious interactions. And, you know, that's been a big part of that group of souls evolutionary journey. And again, then come in the Pluto Scorpio generation. We're loud and we're intense and we're like kind of gothic and like looking at some of these, you know, more occult and and dark things. And it's like, I I think that we almost appear as a a kind of spooky enigma (laughs) to the Libra generation a little bit. You know, it's like, uh, I, I, for example, I've I've worked with Pluto Libra generation people. I've I've done interviews with them. And and something that came up in an interview while we were talking about this very subject from a Pluto Libra soul is there saying like, yeah, you know, it just seems like, you know, you Pluto Scorpio generation people it's it almost feels like halloween whenever i'm around you guys you know it's it's just like you get you guys like chains and dark things and all that and i'm just like well okay okay it's a little bit of a stereotype but i think i also made the comparison of the music that we like to listen to and i came up with you know dubstep as being uh such a reflection of that Scorpio root chakra type of energy that's just like all about the bass. It's like, and it's like, when I listen to dubstep, I mean, that's music that gets your blood moving. It kind of puts you into a fight or flight nature. Honestly, I can't 
stand dubstep because it, it kind of makes me feel really anxious and I start to feel uh, like into a panic attack. But I, I know have to so- admit, <laughs> I started to like dubstep more because of hearing you talk about it because you oh, yeah. connected it to Pluto and it uh-huh. made it really fun for me. Like whenever I heard it, I could feel the like power moving up my spine. I was like, yes, yeah. this is awesome. But yeah. it's because of you that I like dubstep, even well, though you hate it. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's like, you know, for me, I have a time and a space where I like, want to get into that energy, you know. For example, I, I always think it's important never to like typecast people like or judge people by their music, but I can understand why people would love this music, um, you know, because it's allowing us to release that part of ourselves that can be so pent up. Like people like why people might like heavy metal because it's it's healthy. It's good to like release that more intense or angry part of ourselves because there's a lot that can be pent up in our generation, a lot of bullshit that we're keeping inside of ourselves and like these big dubstep concerts or gatherings it's like everybody comes together and just lets loose a a little bit and you know yeah that's it's very much a very uh again root chakra really shakes you up in a deep way type of music um but again, I think that can come off a little bit more intense to older generations. Not that Pluto Libra souls can't be into dubstep or anything like that. Um, but I, I think that Pluto Libra are also a little bit better at reaching the older generations than the Pluto Scorpio with that capability to kind of bring more harmony and understanding into the room. Whereas the Pluto Scorpio are more tuned into what everybody else is not seeing and then feeling a little bit more isolated and maybe having a little bit more difficulty uh, communicating uh, those things. And so I think that the Pluto Libra generation can actually be excellent bridgers uh, between the older generations, the Virgo Leo generations and the Scorpio and then Sagittarius Pluto generations to come that have a lot more of this bulldozer generation. We're going to tear down the old. We're going to bring in new teachings, new teachers, new understandings. You know, I think the Pluto Libra can uh, kind of be bridging and, and connecting these two phases of uh, humanity together, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I feel like I owe a lot of my personal development to either Pluto and Libra people or people with Libra stelliums, because I'd be, you know, they would connect so easily with me. And so I could have this great relationship with a very Libran type of person. And when we were out doing things together, certain situations would arise where my instincts were to kind of act aggressively or to like, disconnect from the situation and I would watch them be diplomatic and it blew my mind. And then I would just like, now I have those traits within me, like, because I saw Libran people do it, but I don't know if it was that natural to me. I'm an Aries son. So I've had a lot to learn about the Libra archetype. Oh yeah, totally. Me too. I feel like I'm learning so much Libra. And so I think that's a great kind of uh, comparison is it's like, you know, the, the Pluto Scorpio generation can be learning that diplomacy from the Pluto Libra generation, you know, how to communicate, how to express our values in a way that can be shared. And at the same time, the Pluto Libra generation can be looking down to the Pluto Scorpios, you know, in, in terms of time and age, uh, how to acknowledge their own shadows uh, and not just sweep it under the rug or try to avoid those things because the Pluto Scorpio have uh, not such a hard time being confrontational where that might be more difficult for the Pluto Libras. 
Yeah, totally. I see there's like a smile that I can see in Libras when they're really upset. <laughs> they just put on a smile and it's like I can feel the like thunder beneath that smile. And that might just be my Scorpio Pluto stuff. Oh, yeah. And and just to exemplify this Pluto Scorpio type of experience, that pisses me off. So it's just like, come on, guys, be real. We can feel what's actually going on inside of you. Just say it. You know, be confrontational. And there's <laughs> a point learning to that. How to, yeah. 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 There, this is something where there needs to be a balance. There needs to be diplomacy and politeness and not just chewing one another out. But personally, I think there's something important to be said about the need for confrontation and even conflict. Where these seem to be bad words in certain people's dictionaries, as if that can only lead to negative hurtful things. I think this is fundamentally a misled concept that conflict is negative. Uh, Conflict is important. And we need to create conflict in our relationships because that's what catalyzes our own capability to grow and learn through those experiences of sometimes creating a friction with one another. We're not all the same people. We're not all going to agree. And that's a part of life. That's a part of nature that does need to be acknowledged. Yeah. You know, that makes me wonder, have you noticed with Pluto and Scorpio that there's a sense that when they are in conflict with someone else, that they feel like they know this other soul from prior lives? Because I feel like for me personally, the people that I have the most entrenched conflicts with, it's like it feels ancient. And I have friends or talk to people of our generation where not a lot of us are that skeptical about the idea of having past lives. It's just like, oh, yeah, of course. You know, or maybe that's just a reflection of the communities that I encounter. But Scorpio, even Scorpio sun people are the most likely to identify with their sun sign, I've noticed, because they'll read about it and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm intense and sexual. And they just like vibe with it. And I've noticed it more than other signs. But it feels like because Scorpio can get so entangled that, yeah, they have conflict, but they also have like multi-century, like past life rooted conflicts with other souls. Would you say, or is that an exaggeration? (laughs) No, no. I think that that is one of the qualities of this generation of souls. I'm pretty sure that that is uh, right in Jeffrey Green's Pluto book, even that, yeah, you know, this is a generation that has experienced power struggles in past lives, and there can be a re-experiencing of conflicts. Now, obviously, the the potential here is for resolution, and that's the point, is sometimes we have to reinitiate conflict in order for there to be a resolution. And if we just sweep that tension underneath the rug, then a resolution is never possible. And as a highly Scorpio person, this is something that really irks me, is it's just like, come on, guys, like, let's confront it, let's talk about this, because there's no resolution when we're all just trying to act polite and happy and sweeping it under the rug. And so, yes, there can be particular souls. And, you know, in my own personal experience, from where I can speak from, I I have absolutely experienced those conflicts that feel super, super ancient and evokes these huge emotional responses. And it's just like, wow, this feels really deep and really profound. And I feel this intensity in my body that really drives me to almost reinitiate that conflict. But I think on a deeper level, it's really coming from that desire for resolution. And that may be through cutting cords with a a soul or person in which there is an abusive or oppressive dynamic. Uh, But 
you know, in, in a glass half full type of way, there may be a way to end lifetimes of conflict or power struggles with particular souls and, and find that healthy resolution uh, as well. Yeah, I hope that for all of us. <sighs> Me too. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and so because Pluto and Scorpios have this history of, you know, loss or betrayal and understanding power dynamics. Um, how do Pluto and Scorpios address their need for security and how do they trust in this life? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think it's such a bottom line for this generation. Um, you know, in evolutionary astrology, we, we sort of call Pluto and the unconscious the bottom line. And we somewhat look to the opposite sign and polarity of Pluto to give a sense of, uh, you know, where these resolutions can be taking us. And the sign opposite to Scorpio is Taurus. And so there really is this overall theme of the Pluto Scorpio generation kind of really settling down and learning to relax into our own bodies and our own immediate environment. So to be able to embody and integrate this transformative potential into the world. But it's almost like when our nervous system is so wound up and when we feel this intensity, we really kind of shoot ourselves in the foot and we end up re-traumatizing ourselves. We're repeating particular patterns of conflict that doesn't get resolved or burning bridges or, you know, just being run by our own unconscious fears or phobias or fears of repeating the past. It's like, for example, someone who's afraid of rejection may uh, prematurely reject themselves from a group because they're afraid of getting cut off. And so they cut themselves off and they burn bridges. And so there's this real need to really come down into this, you know, with Taurus, the stereotype is like the Garden of Eden, right? It's just like this paradise that is welcoming, that is warm, that is beautiful, that is comfortable, that is pleasurable. And it's like, this is what's missing from the Pluto Scorpio's experience in terms of our overall bird's eye view past life perspective. And this is where we can start to find these medicines that I think this generation is going to be very capable of bringing into the world, which is how to have more peace. A big theme with Taurus as well is sovereignty, spaciousness, self-resourcefulness. So the Pluto Scorpio bulldozer generation is recognizing, hey, you know, the old world is not working. You know, what our parents tried to give us, we appreciate your efforts, but we have to create changes because it's just not working the way that it was set out to be. And we can find these creative solutions that can give us more self-sovereign, self-resourceful ways of being empowered by separating from these old, outdated philosophies, structures, you know, so on and so forth. And so Taurus has everything to do with the earth, has a lot to do with agriculture. Something that I've noticed, uh, having a peak interest amongst uh, Pluto Scorpio generation. And by the way, it's like this generation is uh, largely going through Saturn returns right now. So, 
much of this generation is just starting to come into the world, just starting to come into our actual authority and confidence to be builders in the world and to know how it's, it's, you know, we're, we're almost halfway through Saturn returns for this generation. So it's still an ongoing process. But what I'm noticing for a lot of souls in this generation going through their Saturn returns is, for example, something that's highlighted as permaculture. Uh, people making gardens and growing their own food that reproduces itself and requires very little work to sustain once you get it going. And then you have these forest gardens where you can collect your own food and you don't depend on these outer resources. I'm also noticing more and more people starting to get into their little mobile vans as their homes. And they're not having to, you know, pay mortgages and they're not having to be held down by any of these cultural restraints. And so this Taurus self-sovereignty, self-resourcefulness, and also one of the key words for Taurus is simplification, you know. Coming back to that Garden of Eden wisdom that, hey, this earth was meant to be a paradise, We've just really overcomplicated things in this day and age. But that principle of abundance is inherent in the earth. It is this wisdom that this earth was meant to be a paradise. If we just took care of the plants and animals, we'd already be there. And this wisdom of Taurus is you just stick one seed in the earth and you apply sunshine and water and you get a whole new plant with hundreds of seeds to create hundreds of more plants. So there's this wisdom of simplicity by slowing down and relaxing and getting back into our bodies and getting back to the earth. And I think that's where we can simultaneously own this power and this capability to be transformers and catalysts of change in the world that can be bringing the world productively forward simultaneously into environments, into systems and ways of sharing that can bring us back into this peace and this comfort and this sovereignty of being a, a natural human being. Mm. Yeah, having like a sense of comfort and beauty and pleasure helping us relax our nervous systems and enjoy and approach the world from that perspective instead of being so wound up in our trauma that we can't just enjoy and feel worthy. And that also I feel like connects to like a lot of manifestation teachings, which I get, I can get kind of obsessed with, um, correlate manifestation with self-worth and that if we feel like we're always going to lose something or the rug is always pulled, pulled out from underneath us, it can correlate unconsciously to feeling unworthy of having nice things or unworthy of feeling pleasure. And so that can be so transformative for this generation is to just enjoy and feel like it's okay to enjoy and okay to have because yeah. we're used to letting things go. Yeah, that's such a great point. I'm glad that you brought that up because the self-worth is, it's like, how do we fill up our own glass? You know, that's such a Taurus dynamic. How do you fill up your own glass? I always love to give the Buddha example for Taurus because Buddha was trying to get enlightened, the hard-ass Scorpio ascetic path. You know, he was starving himself to enlightenment until a little girl brings him a bowl of rice and comforting his body, his senses, raises the level of his consciousness and achieves enlightenment. So it's like, how do we raise our own consciousness? How do we fill up our own glass? And what you said about worth is such a Taurus key word. And I also think of value when I think of Taurus ruled by Venus. 
It's like, what do we love? What do we cherish that makes us feel good, that makes us feel relaxed and reminds us of what ignites our heart and gives us a sense of meaning. So for example, um, I like to think of a good Taurus example as like an altar space where, you know, maybe there's all these pictures of all the people or all the things or all the symbols that we love that reminds us of that which we value and gives us a sense of worth and fills up our glass. And maybe we just sit in front of that altar space or we meditate or we remind ourselves of what fills us up and gives our heart a sense of, yeah, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is lovely. These are the people I love. These are the environments I love. And so absolutely, I think that's totally true with positively manifesting through a sense of self-worth, because it's almost like we're aligning our own individual heart with what we truly value. And I see that as coming deep from within us. And that can bring us back on track with our soul's evolution. And then we're embodied with our nature rather than fight against the grain. And we can celebrate who we are and feel motivated in the world rather than drained. Yes. <laughs> so that's so perfect. Thank you. I, that idea of just counting your blessings, basically, but actually letting yourself feel it sounds so good. Something I might try. Um, I know I've, I do it in various ways, but to remember to do that, um, I feel like yeah. it immediately restores the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, one of the greatest, uh, the greatest medicine is nature. You know, whenever anyone's dealt with trauma or intensity or you like, for example, you just come out of a devastating breakup. It's just like, you know, go for a camp out because we go off into the forest and our senses become filled with the flowers, the ground beneath our feet. We can feel the wind blowing through us. And it is that visceral reminder of beauty. And there still is beauty in the world. There's still loveliness. There's still treasure in the world, even though we may be dealing with this or that complicated issue. And it does allow us to relax and get our feet back in the world, at least enough to be able to discern what's anxiety and what's not. So that way we don't keep re-traumatizing ourselves like the isolated soul who keeps burning bridges when all they may need to do is go take a breath of fresh air and then they'll get that greater perspective of what's actually going on. Yes, that's what studying evolutionary astrology has helped me do so much too. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, I've, I've never encountered such a blessing, such a gift of evolutionary astrology where you can have a map of your own unconscious dynamics and nobody can see their own shadow. I mean, all EA is doing is ap acting as an objective third point that can see deeply from this higher perspective. And we all need that to look into our own shadow. We all need relationships. We all need other people to say, you know, I think you keep repeating this one thing, but I think there's actually something else that's going on a little bit beneath the surface. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> there's a few more questions I wanted to ask you. Um, one is just, you're so articulate. Um, and I know you're a Gemini, so I just want to throw that out there. I feel like you really embody a solar Gemini. And what are your other signs like moon and rising? We'll say. 
Sure. So just to clarify, I'm a Gemini sun in the 12th house ruled by Mercury and Gemini in the 12th. And my moon south node is in Leo ruled by that sun in Gemini. So Gemini is familiar to me. It's, it's something that comes uh, quite natural to me. And in that Pisces type of way, I just kind of tune into a flow where words are coming out of my mouth, but it almost it's like a feeling that I'm tuning into. And the words just kind of match the feelings. Um, so again, my moon's in Taurus. Uh, Venus is in Taurus, Mars is in Aries. For many Pluto Scorpio generation souls, we also have, uh, you know, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Capricorn. So those are my outer planets. And what am I missing? Jupiter in Cancer in the first house uh, conjunct Chiron. So you're Saturn returning right now? I got that beautiful Pluto Jupiter Saturn return at the beginning of 2020 Ooh. to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of holding on, uh, you know, it kind of feels like I'm riding, um, I, 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 what's the movie? Dr. Strangelove. They show that, oh. uh, where the guy rides the atom bomb at the end of the movie and he's got his cowboy hat, you know, that's kind of what it, it feels like right now as I'm going into the Saturn return. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes sense for you though, in that your work, you're always holding the light up to the shadow basically and you talk about trauma very freely you're not pretending that everything's all nice and lovely and you're you forecast too you give um like full and new moon reports and you never leave out like the grittiness of what people might be feeling and i feel like that can be a very pluto saturn energy and so to have that happening the pluto saturn return with pluto on your saturn makes sense in terms of how you've been moving towards that well, I, I greatly appreciate you saying that. And, and yes, it does make sense to me. I do take some shit for it sometimes. So I appreciate that compliment. And I, <laughs> I think that I think that uh, we both relate to that both ways. And I, I so appreciate your work as well, because uh, I similarly feel that you do an excellent job of talking about some of these more, uh, you know, murky dynamics, it just so concisely. Um, in a way that is really accessible to so many people. So thank you for everything you do. And my goodness, again, I'm just so excited that you're doing these podcasts because I think this is awesome and wonderful and going to reach uh, so many people in a new way. Well, thank you so much. And I think the last thing I wanted to ask you is if you have any current projects or just like topics that you're currently really fascinated um, by and working with and how can people listening to this episode find you and work with you? Great. So people can tune into me on YouTube. Uh, my channel is Rasalila Healing, R-A-S-A-L-I-L-A Healing. And my website is rasalilahealing.com. I put a bi-weekly forecast on YouTube, usually uh, around a week before the new or full moon. And uh, I have a Patreon community, uh, patreon.com slash Rosalila Healing, and I do offer readings and workshops through my website. What I'm particularly most fascinated with at this time is really addressing trauma of all natures, of all types, whether it be soul level or surface level. Um, you know, the way I see things is it's like all souls in some way, shape or form are resolving past trauma, whether we call it our birth trauma or past life trauma. And the more I research it, the more I realize there's such 
little available to people who have experienced trauma. It almost seems at the forefront of our current evolution, where for so many centuries and for so many generations, it really has been a fight to survive. It really has been this dog-eat-dog world. And it's almost like we're now on the cusp of entering this new age that's less oriented on physical survival due to technology and, you know, our the innovations that the human species have come up with. And it's like now we're starting to look more at, okay, now what about mental and emotional disorders? What about what's going on the inside? And now we're resolving all this trauma coming from the past stage of physical survival. And so this is very, very exciting and new to me ways of relaxing the nervous system, uh, ways of uh, curbing anxiety. Uh, I am just absolutely gung-ho about any way or form or modality of doing this. And I, I'm constantly setting up experiments myself, mixing and matching these different things. It's just so fun and so cutting edge and so pioneering to me. And I have a feeling that there's just going to be so much more that continues to come into this research and this field in the future. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm really, really into astrology, but I'm also um, drawing from other modalities and forms such as hypnotherapy, um, you know, uh, you know, dealing with uh, the subconscious and unconscious mind, uh, different forms of physical therapy. I've been doing a lot of cold exposure, the Wim Hof uh, breathing method, uh, and and all these things have been really exciting and really empowering me uh, to me on my own journey of of healing. And I kind of have that Chiron signature in my chart where, again, it's like astrology, for example, it began kind of selfish. I was trying to figure myself out. And so I'm trying to resolve my own inner anxiety and deal with the traumas of the past. Uh, but it's exciting and being able to do that research and share it with others as well. Um, so thanks so much for asking, Sabrina. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome work. And as you heal your own trauma too, or your own anxiety, that will empower you to help others too. So in the end, it all comes back to the whole. Yeah, absolutely. And I just have so much reverence towards Chiron as an archetype for being that wisdom of life that where we are broken, where we experience woundedness or pain is exactly the place where the light comes in, where tools and modalities can be discovered on our own healing and journey that takes us full circle into being a healer and a helper of others. And that's such a beautiful thing to keep in mind on our own journey of healing, that we're not just berating ourselves, that we're not perfect or complete enough, but there's actually this opportunity of being just a human being and getting to explore our own sense of imperfection, because that is what actually fuels and catalyzes this whole life being a journey of evolution, which means although things are not totally perfect, or ideal right now, it does mean that things can continuously, and as far as I can see, eternally get better and better. And that's a pretty blissful thing to keep in mind, uh, you know, all things considered. Aho. It's a good <laughs> prayer to end this episode on. Thank Aho. you so much, Timothy. My goodness. Thank you so much, Sabrina. And again, Greatly appreciate all your work. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. It's such an honor to be a part of your first recording. And again, I'm super excited where all this is going to be leading you in the future as well. Thank you. 
I just love Timothy. And as you may have caught at the last moment, he was um, saying that he was glad to be my first interview. And that is the case. He was the first person I interviewed for this show. And I feel like a baby podcaster, guys. Like, I'm going to be real with you. I'm really new to this medium. And it was really a pleasure to interview Timothy. He's such a good friend as well. And um, I really love his work. And I highly recommend you go check it out. And regardless of your astrology, if you connected to this theme of being someone who's kind of moody or broody, and you you experience loss, and you know the underworld, that it can be really great to like enter into a space of just leisure and enjoyment and sensuality, enjoy the way that food tastes, enjoy the way that the soil feels under your bare feet, you know, get in the mud. I mean, you're already in the mud if you're in that kind of Scorpio place, but connect to the flowers, connect to beauty. And that, you know, you don't even have to know your chart, but this is an insight that we get as an as astrologers, Timothy and I, because we study the polarities um, of all the signs and Taurus and Scorpio are one of them. And Uranus just entered Taurus again, at the time that I'm recording this outro. And that's going to be a huge um, revolution for everyone, the revolution of self worth and pleasure and sensuality. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode and please go ahead and go to iTunes and leave me a review for this show that will really help um, my visibility and help me to invite more people onto this show and send this episode to someone who you think might resonate or might benefit from the information here and I hope that you have a blessed rest of your day.